Hi everybody, welcome. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Schweitzer today. It's good to be with you. Wherever you're at, we're glad you're here. I'm Jim and I serve as a pastor here and will be our host for today. We've been praying for you and for this experience, expecting God to meet with us. If you're a guest with us today, this is your first time, we have a gift for you. So check in with us at sumc.co slash hello and we'll send a digital gift card out to you right away. Today, we're continuing our series called Jesus is Greater. We're wrapping it up. It's week eight. We're really looking forward to it. Pastor Spencer will continue to lead us line by line through the book of Colossians as we explore who Jesus is. God has a message for us all today. And now let's hear from Stephanie, who is gonna tell us more about what's going on around here. Hi, I'm Stephanie, and here's what's going on at Schweitzer this week. November's here, and that means we're gonna be celebrating the 12 days of Thanksgiving. From November 12th through the 24th, we'll be collecting items like canned soup, snacks, and other items that you can find on our website to fill backpacks for kids at our neighboring school, Pittman Elementary. You can check out our website at sumc.co forward slash 12 days for more details, but this will be a great time for us to show our generosity as we provide needed items for kids who may need a little bit extra this season. As we continue to expand our worship experiences, there are lots of ways for you to serve. For in-person worship, we have opportunities in our kids' ministry or with our First Impressions team. Online, we have online hosts who help facilitate the chat and the conversation and make people feel welcome in that environment. There are so many other opportunities as well. Find out more at sumc.co slash serve. And speaking of serve opportunities for online worship, there are gonna be even more as we're expanding to add an evening online worship service at 6 p.m. beginning November 8th. With this, we hope to have even more opportunity for people to get involved in online chat and the online prayer experiences. And we'd love to see you invite friends. Remember, the website is live.sumc.co. Be sure to share that with somebody that you'd like to join you. Thanks, Stephanie, for keeping us up to date here at Schweitzer. If you're watching live, we have several ways to engage. We have a chat feature where you can say hello to your friends and others. Also, we have a person available to pray with you. So give us your prayer requests and we would love to pray with you. And now let's, uh, let's begin to worship. Let's celebrate God. Let's celebrate life together with God. KJ's gonna lead us. Lift up your voice, come on and sing to our God. up your voice, come on and sing to our God, the everlasting King. Oh Lord, my I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder. 
Now, as we come to this time of prayer together on this All Saints Day, we remember and honor and celebrate the lives of everyone that has gone before us in faith and especially and specifically the people in this body of Christ Schweitzer, in this church who have passed on in this past year and now live in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. And a candle is lit to honor each person's life. And as I read the names today, let's remember them as people who pointed us to Jesus Christ and who blessed our lives richly. Hear these names. Lord, we thank you for Clyde Gordon, Thelma Lane, Roger Phillips, Myrtle Dara, 
Gordon Dennison, Howard Estes, Doris Cox, Joe Buterbaugh, Sue Huber, Dorothy Jones, Dorsey Level, Sandra Beck, Gilbert Smith, Pat Halliburton, Ruth Mammon, J.T. Brown, Josephine Elsie, Joe Snyder, Art White, Ron and Sarah Belt, Charlie Collins, Karma Lee Little, Marilyn Kraft, Gary Cobb, Joe McCarty, and Brian Teeter, Zach Mason, Norm Wood, Camilla Hurst, Joe Armstrong, Donna McTeer, David Duncan, Lyle Middleton, Richard Simpson, and Joan Seavey. Holy God, we thank you for these lives and these people. We thank you for the gift of faith. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that comes and fills us. We thank you for your spirit who filled these people we love so very much. God, we thank you for the great cloud of witnesses that you promise in scripture that worship with us today, that encourage us and cheer us on. God, we are thankful people. We confess we miss our loved ones, our friends, these people in our workplaces. And yet, God, we know in our faith and their faith, together, we will be in your presence again. So, Holy God, on this day, know that we love you and we praise you. And now, let's pray together the prayer our Lord taught us in saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And this week, we're going to highlight, Sheila's going to tell us more about the caring and connecting ministries, as in this season, we're trying especially hard to demonstrate God's caring love actively in the world. Hi, friends. I'm Sheila Pippen, the director of First Impressions here at Schweitzer. It's certainly been a challenging year for all of us, but I've got great news for you. God cares about you, and we care about you. Our caring ministries over the past several months have reached out even in spite of the social distancing guidelines. Our snail mail ministry has sent countless cards to our homebound folks with caring messages. Our call ministry have stayed in touch with every person in our church, and we've tried to reach out to pray or just to visit with people. And our porch angels have spent hours finding your home and delivering just the special gift from our church that lets you know that we care about you, or a card through the mail. We want you to know that our church is full of caring hearts, 
and it's important to us to stay in touch with you because you are important to us. We have been blessed to be a blessing to others. If you have a special need or if you'd like to be a part of our care and connection ministries, please call the church office. Thanks, Sheila, for keeping us connected here at Schweitzer. Thanks for your leadership. And you can give, you and I can give by going to sumc.co slash give. And now, Mary B is going to lead us in worship. change 
Thanks, Mary. Each week this year, we've been telling God stories, stories where God is intersecting with lives, with people here at Schweitzer, connected in various ways. We love stories that inspire our faith, hope, and love. And so this week, we're going to hear from Greg and Sarah Ludlow, their story with God. Let's watch. We've been attending Schweitzer for a little over 10 years. Uh, we first started attending when we were in college and we've been attending ever since. Uh, we've both been involved in a variety of aspects regarding the church. Uh, we've done ushering together. Uh, I've done youth group at the very beginning and then I also did child care. We've also done various small groups and then of course we led a Dave Ramsey course. I'd say it started probably Four years ago, four or five years ago, we heard from the church that they were going to offer a Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University class, and it was led more for people trying to get out of debt. And that's where, you know, we have always kind of struggled with since we've been, you know, we've been together for 15 years and, you know, life has happened and that uh, was a part of our life. There has been a variety of instances where we felt God was pushing us to really examine our finances. Uh, one of the first ones was when we first got married. Uh, we both had our real, you know, jobs and we uh, decided to buy a car and have a car payment. And then we decided to buy a house. And the day that we signed the paperwork for that first house is when we found out that he lost his job. And so that was kind of one of the first moments that God was like, hey, you need to really rethink your finances and how you use them and how you can kind of better use them to help others. So we, we took the class back four years ago. We took we took the class. Um, great class, like I said, it really changed us. We went from having about $90,000 worth of debt all the way down to $35,000 worth of debt. And we did that just by being smart with, with our money. So, it, you know, it made a big impact. Trading in the car. And yeah, we sold things. I had a nice truck, got rid of the <laughs> truck. <laughs> uh, you know, we were just, you know, we had, we didn't think it was possible to live without a car payment, to live. Um, you know, we, you know, we grew up, Dave Ramsey would call it being normal, trying to go out, rack up as much debt as you can, think in payments, you know, think, oh, that's only going to cost me 50 bucks a month, 100 bucks a month. Oh, that's nothing. But over the course of time, that those little payments add up to $90,000 of debt of what we had. And that was car loans, medical bills, student, student loans, um, you name the debt, we, we had it. One of the biggest things that stands out is Proverbs 22.7, I believe, where it's talking about how the borrower is slave to the lender. And the first time I heard that, that really stuck to me like, oh, you know, I have a car payment, I have this, but then you're actually a slave to the lender. You're not able to... Um, make your own decisions because you're kind of stuck there. And so I really think um, the big part that kind of stood out to me was that it really puts your priorities into order. Um, there's a lot of things where it's talking about um, where you put God um, priority wise. 
And I feel like this really makes you think about um, the ultimate end goal, which is live and give like no one else that you can live and give like no one else. My name is Sarah Ludlow. My name is Greg Ludlow. And this this is just just the beginning beginning of our story. All right, well, welcome today. My name is Spencer and I'm the pastor. Today is part eight of our series called Jesus is Greater. I'm so excited to share this with you. I want to say thank you to Greg and Sarah for sharing your story with us. It's so good to hear the different ways that God is at work um, in our church. And so hearing about financial freedom and, and the ways that God has transformed um, their life through, uh, through, through the Dave Ramsey course that we've offered here at Schweitzer is just, it's so incredible. So I, I love hearing these, these transformation stories because that's really what our church is about. We want to be a church where transformation takes place. And so it's so, so great to hear this over the course of the year. Um, today, this is our last week on this series uh, Jesus is greater. We've been reading through the book of Colossians line by line, learning what Paul has to teach us through this, through the short letters. We've spent eight weeks on this, digging in deep, reading just every single word of this, of this letter. We're going to wrap that up today. Next week, we're going to start a series called Seek First. We're going to look at this uh, verse where Jesus says uh, to seek first his kingdom, that is God's kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be given to us as well. It's a, it's a, it's a series that we're going to spend three weeks talking about priorities and what comes first in our life and making sure that we have the right things first because it's so easy to just to drift into putting other things, the wrong kinds of things first in our life where we end up stressed out and, and anxious and worried about all kinds of things. So we're going to explore what Jesus teaches us about putting the first things uh, first in our life, the right things first in our life. This will be a great series to invite people to, to encourage them to come along with us, be practical as we're going to talk about priorities and, and how to make sure we have the right priorities in our life. But today we're going to wrap this up. Jesus is greater. Hopefully over the last eight weeks you have been with us as well through our um, our study guide, our field guide that we produced here at the church. We had a team of writers working on this and I hope that you participated with us with our field guide. We had we had lots of people participate. This was not like I didn't write this. There's a, a whole bunch of people worked on this. So I want to say thank you to some key people, specific people who made this field guide happen. So, so, so thank you specifically. I want to say thank you to, to Mary Jackson, to Kristen Strong, Casey Dye, Alan Robbins, Marsha Mankin, Mark Mildren, Linda Harper, Linnell Sanders, Brad Reed, Joanne Buskey, uh, Taylor Likes, and, and Jason Lindgren, that we had um, all these people, that's, that's a lot of people who made this happen, that they came together as a team to, uh, to make this study happen. And I, I'm just so, so thankful that we could do this because as we worked together on this project, we did this so that the, the church can be together, that we could have something that together um, we are able to pursue God and to learn from. And, and that's really what we're going to be talking about today is this word together, how we are a church body um, together. So let's jump into this. We're going to start right where we left off, line by line in Colossians chapter 4, and uh, we're going to wrap up the book today. So here's how Paul ends this letter. He goes this, verse 2, chapter 4. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should, um, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should, which, which is like, as far as prayer requests go, like pretty inspiring. That's, that's pretty amazing. Even though I'm in chains right now, Paul's like, pray that I would be um, wise, that I would, would, would proclaim the good news, even though things in my life are, are hard. I'm in prison. I'm in chains. Pray that I would still be doing this and be, be, be good at doing this. It's an impressive prayer request. Verse five says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, 
so you may know how to answer everyone, a message about sharing the good news with, with everyone. And then he takes a turn here. For the next 11 verses, um, he's going to get very personal. So here's what he says next. Verse 7, he says, he says uh, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in, uh, in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Eropolis, which are two nearby cities. Verse 14, our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas sends greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea, which is that nearby city, and to, and listen to this, to Nympha and the church in her house. I just, I want you to catch this, that the leader of the Laodicean church, this nearby church, is a woman. Church history is filled with women who were significant leaders in, in the church and in, and in God's kingdom. Very small but important detail here. Verse 16, after this letter has been read to you, see that you also read it in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. And then verse 18, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains, grace be with you. The end. We have now read through the entire book of Colossians, line by line, verse by verse, reading through this, um, learning what Paul has to teach us. And as we read through those last 11 verses, I couldn't help but notice how many people Paul names, like specifically by name. He just names person after person after person. In fact, I counted, it was 11. He named 11 different people as he closed out this letter in two different churches, which I think is really interesting that, that Paul takes the time at the end of this letter to name all his people, which by the way is something he does quite a bit in his different letters. I think in Romans, it's something like 24 different names that he puts at the end of that letter that he names specific people um, that he is in ministry with. And I, and I find that so interesting because I think a lot of us, when we think of Paul, we have this image of Paul where, where maybe we think of him like going from city to city in the Greek world, the ancient Greek world, and he's starting these different churches. Maybe we imagine him you know, sailing the Mediterranean, braving the elements, experiencing these shipwrecks from time to time, these, these, these different things happening to him. And we imagine him maybe going into cities like Colossae or Ephesus or Athens, these different cities, and, and setting up shop to sell tents, which is how he made his living. He sold tents. And maybe he's, he's going to sell tents and he goes to the street corner and he starts to preach this good news. And this is how, you know, he does his ministry. But that's really not accurate. That's not really how Paul did things at all. Paul actually usually traveled with people. He traveled with people like Barnabas and Mark. He traveled with Luke and Silas and Timothy. And maybe there's others that we don't even know about. He traveled with different people. In fact, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, 
Well, a lot of times as he's writing about Paul's journey, he's talking about how we went to this place or we went to that place because there was this group that traveled together. Paul never did this ministry by himself. And when he went to these cities, it wasn't just that he went to the street corners and started to preach the, the gospel. He usually started in synagogues where he would have relationships. And, and from those relationships, he built out to these local churches. And then he spent the majority of his time, the majority of his work really, in getting these local, these new churches to function. Because it wasn't good enough if he just goes to town and he gets all these converts and then after he leaves town, then everything falls apart. No, he spent just all of his energy, almost all of his energy trying to get these churches to function, which if you read through his letters, that's really what his letters are about is, is how the local churches work, how they function, how they fit together. Because, because Paul understood that he was building something that was bigger than him. He, he understood that this work that he was doing wasn't just about him and the gifts that God had given him. It was really about how he fits within this body of Christ, which really is how Paul talks about the church most of the time, is that's the body of Christ. It's this, it's this living organism that fits together and does this work together. I mean, that's really what the body of Christ is about. It, it works together. It reminds me of uh, John Wesley who founded the Methodist movement. He used to say, a very famous saying, he would say that there's no such thing as a solitary Christian. There's, there's no such thing as just me doing this work by myself. This is something that we do together. This is, this is how we fit together, how we work together. And so today as we wrap up this series, I, th- I thought what we could do is, is take a page um, out of Paul's book here. And as, as Paul writes about this work that he does with um, this church, I thought it'd be fun today, to, helpful today, if, if we did the same thing as we wrapped up the series. He wrapped up the book by talking about the church. Let's wrap up the series by talking about our church. And let's have a conversation about, about us, about, about Schweitzer. And, and let's talk about some things we haven't talked about before. Um, Let's talk about how within our church, man, things are so different right now. We're on month eight of this pandemic, and uh, to be part of our church is way different than it used to be. And, and, and let's have a conversation about that. And, and how is it that, that uh, together, you know, we are doing this work that God has, has called us to do? Because here's a, here's a core conviction that I have. I believe that the church, the local church, not the institution, but like the fellowship, the relationships that we have together, the body of Christ, I believe that the church is God's design in how he's reaching the world. That it's the church, the body, the people, that is God's design in how he's reaching the world. And so, and so today as we, we think about our church, you know, let's, let's think about this. How is God using us, the body of Christ called Schweitzer, to reach the world? Now, as we've been navigating these last few months um, and to kind of frame this conversation about, about our church, there's a couple questions that I've been asked over and over and over again. I mean, just I've just been asked, it seems like almost weekly I get asked these questions. And since I'm asked these questions a lot, I figure there's probably a lot more people who are wondering the answers to these questions. So here's, here's a couple questions I get asked over and over and over again. First, I get asked this, how are we doing? Like, how is is Schweitzer specifically, you know, doing as we navigate these, these um, now month eight of this pandemic that we're in? How, how are we doing? And then the, the second question I get asked a lot is, is this, is, is, is what's next? Like, what happens to us, you know, on the other side of this pandemic? What does life look like for us? And so, so that'd be helpful today as we talk about us to maybe talk about these two questions. So first of all, how are we doing? How, how's, how's, uh, how's, how's Schweitzer doing? And as we think about uh, our church now, you know, my mind is, is still having a hard time wrapping around how much of a shift we have made in how we do church over the last eight months. For instance, um, most Sundays we have about 1,100 people or so 
who will engage with us on, on Sunday morning worship, Sunday morning services and, and that sort of thing, which is from last year at the same time, about 200 more people than we had um, you know, a year ago. And so we have these you know, 1,100 people. What really grabs my attention about that, what, what's hard for me to, to wrap my mind around, is that on Sunday morning itself in our live services, we have like between 150 and 200 people actually on campus in the, in the sanctuary um, in worship with us. Last week in our modern service at 1045, we had 131, 133 people, something like that. And I was like, oh my goodness, it's like Easter in here. It's full because we just haven't seen that kind of, those kinds of numbers. And so it's, it's something where like 15% of our church is experiencing, you know, what we would consider normal traditional church, but you know, something like 85%, maybe more, are experiencing uh, this new online church. And it's not just with worship, it's also with discipleship and ministries that adults, kids, and youth, I mean, the majority way that our church is experiencing Schweitzer and experiencing each other is, is, uh, is, is online. And, and that's just been something that's still hard for me to wrap my mind around and, and what that means and the, the shift that we're, you know, in process of, of making. And, and with this shift in online, we've, we've also seen that our reach has expanded. I mean, we have really reaching people well outside the Springfield area um, at this point. In fact, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Jason, our executive pastor, he got an email from somebody in Joplin asking us if we would start a Joplin Schweitzer location, which I, I think she was joking, but I'm not sure. But this because a family has been able to engage with us and track with us and, and be part of us um, as we've been online. And so one of the things I've, I've learned is that you no longer have to be in, in person to be part of our church body, to be part of what we're doing you know, together. And that's just a, such a big shift. It's hard to wrap my mind around. And yet something at the same time, I think is like, it's just incredible. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing how we've been able to expand the reach of the church um, and still be a church body together because we are God's design for how he wants to reach the world. We're God's design for how he wants to reach the world. And so you might ask, how are we doing? Well, I guess the short answer to that is, I think we're doing really well. Um, although Everything's different. Everything's different. That's that's I guess how we how we're doing. And then and then the follow up question that I that I always get is just well well what's next? Like wh- what happens to us on the other side of of this pandemic? And again I get asked this question probably weekly. And so let me give you the answer that I that I usually give. What's next for us? What's what's on the other side of this pandemic? Here here's my answer. I have no idea. <laughs> How's that for leadership right there? Great vision. I have no idea what's next. Of course not. I have no idea what's next because, because there's so many question marks about what this looks like for us. I have no idea what's next. For me, one of the things I've been wondering a lot about is like, how in the world does this thing end? Like, like, like how, how does this happen? Because my naive thinking back in May was like, there's just going to be this moment where it's over and we get to come back to church. We're going to have this big homecoming celebration since we didn't have to have Easter. And it's like, we're going to have this big, this big celebration because everyone's back. But it's like, that's not even close to how this is going to end. So I don't, like, how does it end? What does life look like on the other side? I have absolutely no idea. But since you asked, I do have some thoughts. <laughs> I do have some thoughts. And uh, my thoughts, I want to be clear about this. These are not like the word of the Lord kind of thoughts. These are not thoughts that I feel like God has like impressed upon me that this is the word from on high that I'm supposed to give to you today. That's not the kind of thoughts I'm trying to give you. But rather, I've got some thoughts that are more like, if you're part of our church family, all of us need to be thinking about um, these things together. All of us need to be praying about these things together because we're part of a body that exists together. So if you're part of our church family, the thoughts I want to share are like really the kinds of things that all of us 
need to be thinking about and praying about as we move forward together. And so here's, here's the first thing I want to say about, like, what does it look like? What's next? And here's, here's what I have. Whatever happens, however this ends, whatever life looks like on the other side, I've become pretty convinced, and I think a lot of other people have as well, that whatever happens, Schweitzer will never be the same again. Like, we will, we will never be the church that we were. And I just want that to sink in for a second. That when we think about our future, we will never be the church that we were. We have learned too much. We've endured too much. We've experienced too much for us to ever go back to being the church that we were in March or February of 2020. Instead, whatever our future looks like, there are going to be things that are significantly different. And, and I say that with both a sense of grief and a sense of hope. A sense of grief and a sense of hope. And I think it's important to acknowledge both. Because whenever there's changes in life, there's always grief. And we don't probably talk about this enough, but whenever there's changes in life, whenever you realize that, that something is done and it's never going back to what it was, there is always grief in that. And that's okay. That is natural. That's how life functions. There's, there's grief in that. I think about how the Bible, for instance, teaches about seasons, that there are different seasons in life and that there, there are seasons that come, there are seasons that go, and that all through our life, we're just moving through these different, these different seasons. And as you think about this, these seasons that we move from, from one season into another season, one of the things that we have to realize is that as we move from one season into another season, there's always grief in that because it means that we have to let go of one season in order to live into this new season. Otherwise, if you don't let go of the old season, you spend your life looking backwards and not forwards. And so as you move from season to season, there's a certain grief in that because you have to let go of what was in order to live into what is. Otherwise, you end up looking backwards for your whole life. So before my family moved to Springfield uh, two summers ago, we were in Kansas City. And before we moved to Kansas City, we were in Tulsa. And uh, my wife and I, we have like incredibly fond uh, feelings and memories of Tulsa. We lived there for nine years. We met there. We, uh, we, we got, there's the first place we lived after we got married. We have just like incredibly deep community there. And when we moved from Tulsa to Kansas City, like it took me probably two years to realize that I had to let go of that in order to live into what was new. Like I kept looking backwards and I, I kept thinking, oh, I just wish I could go back to what that was. And I, I spent two years missing out on what was right in front of me, this new season that I was in, because I kept thinking that, that I wanted to go back to what was. And this is what happens when, when you don't move from season to season. You, you spend your life looking backwards. And I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life spending my time looking backwards. I want to look forward into the new season that's in front of us. And our church is in a new season. And so there's going to be things that, that look different, and there's grief in that. There is, and it is, it is okay to acknowledge it and to walk through that. So one of the things that I realized as we moved from Kansas City to Springfield was, I'm going to move into a new season. i got to let go of what was in order to live into what is, and part of that is got to grieve the changing relationships, the changing dynamics, the things that are going to be different and new in my life if I want to live into this new season. And so for our church, there are things that are new in this season. There are things that are changing in this season, and that's difficult. I think about the relationships. There's so many relationships that are different right now. There's so many ways that we grieve these changes because they're just not what they were. I think about how you have friends who you used to see every single week and you don't see them anymore. Man, there's grief in that. I, I, I think about how in our relationships, there's, you know, there's folks who have, 
who have uh, drifted away from, sh- from the church. There are folks who are moving away um, during this time frame, maybe, maybe to new cities, new states. There's, there's people who have, who have died in this time frame. In fact, today is, um, is All Saints Day, and we read through the list of names of folks who have died in our church, and that list was double what it was last year. There's grief in this. Like in these, in these extended months that we're going through this, this transition into what, what is, there's, there's grief in these relationships, and it's, it's good and healthy to acknowledge that because we have to let go of what was if we want to live into what is. And it's not just relationships. There's grief in, in the way that the church operates, too, and some of the things that we do together and how we do our life together. I, I can't tell you how disappointed I was that last April, Easter was online. I, it broke my heart that we couldn't be together to celebrate the resurrection. Like, it, I, I was depressed. I was so incredibly sad that we couldn't have this full sanctuary to celebrate Resurrection Sunday. Like, it, it, it was not right for me. I was, I was so disappointed. There was grief in that. And then, and then comes this fall, and we start looking at Christmas and we start thinking about how in the world are we going to have full crowds on Christmas and how do we control that and keep people safe? And so we made this really, really, really hard choice. We announced it this week that, that Christmas Eve would be online only. Now, we're going to have other events during the week to be together, but Christmas Eve itself will be online only. And I'm, I'm, I just, I'm so incredibly disappointed in that. Like, I'm so disappointed that, that that's the, the right decision and yet, this is the changes that we're having to make as we move through these seasons. It's so incredibly disappointing. There's, there's, there's grief in that. And it's, it's good, it's, it's healthy to acknowledge that and to live through it and to, and to experience a disappointment because, because from that, I, I think it leads to hope. And so as I think about how Schweitzer will never be the same church again, I also have this sense of, of incredible hope about our future. Because, because one of the things that's happened as we've gone through these seven months is that we have become and had to become so much more focused on our mission. Like these, this pandemic has forced us to start thinking and rethinking about all the things that we do in order to become so much more focused on our mission. Because here's, here's a truth. It is easy for a church, really for anybody, for a person, for a, a family, for a business, for a church, for anybody, just to start to kind of drift. And, and you start to drift, you start to just to do things that you've always done. You stop asking the question, why are we doing what we, we do, we're doing? Like, what is the purpose behind this? You, you stop having the, the intentionality that's really driven around mission. And, and I'm telling you, this happens to people. You lose sense of the mission that you have in life. It happens to families where you just start going through the motions. It happens to businesses and churches where you just start to drift and you're no longer thinking about the, the mission of what God's put before you. And so this pandemic, it's, it's helped us to, to hone back in on like what's really, really important. What's, what's the mission? In case you're wondering, what's our mission? Well, our mission is, is simple. I mean, Jesus gave it to us. Matthew chapter uh, 28, right? He said, he said, all authority of heaven has been given to me. And then he said, therefore go and make disciples of all nations because the gospel's for everyone, right? Baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And you think about our mission, there's really like three components to that. Our, our mission statement is built off that, but that's really the mission that Jesus has given us, and there's three components to that. One, he tells us to go. Like one of the things that we've had to relearn is that we can't just expect people to come to us. We have to figure out how to go to them. And one of the things a church starts to do when a church starts to drift away from mission is we just start to think that people will come to us, but that's, that's not our mission. Our mission is to figure out how do we take the good news message of Jesus to people? 
How do we, how do we introduce people to this, this life-changing message of Christ? That's part of our mission. We go. We figure out new ways of doing this. We go. And, th- and then he tells us to go and, and to make disciples by baptizing and teaching, by evangelism and discipleship. It's simple. It's clear. It's direct. It's pointed. There's all kinds of ways that, that we have to be focused in on this. And so one of the things I've, I've realized as we've been moving through this pandemic and thinking about our church and thinking about our mission is that the programs of our church are not our mission. I'm going to say that again. The programs, the events, and the things that we do as a church, that is not our mission. They're methods for us to accomplish our mission, but our programs and our events, they are not our mission. Our mission is to go and to make disciples, to evangelize and disciple people. That's that's our mission, is to go and share this good news message of Jesus. And so we got to figure out new ways of doing this. And so I think, for instance, about Vacation Bible School, a great example of how we had to rethink this. You know, Vacation Bible School is usually this big event. We have it on campus. Hundreds of kids are, are present as we do this big um, event every single summer. And since we couldn't do that in person this summer, we did these block parties where families, individual families, hosted a Vacation Bible School for a small number of kids, did it outside in their front yards. And did you know that we didn't lose any of our numbers? We had the same number of kids participating in this new model as in our traditional model. In my family, we hosted one of these vacation Bible schools. And I got to tell you, I thought it was more effective. Like, like we had to realize that having kids on campus for that big week, while disappointing that we didn't do that, that's not our mission. Our mission was not the event. Our mission was to disciple and to evangelize, to share the good news of Jesus and to develop our kids. That was our mission. And that's what we did. And so I think about some of the things that I'm really disappointed in right now, like Christmas Eve. And I've had to remind myself and to think to myself, you know what? That event of Christmas Eve in person, while I absolutely love it, I love Christmas Eve. It's not our mission. Our mission is to invite people and to share with people the good news message of Jesus and to invite them to trust in him with their life. That's our mission. And so while we may not be in person on Christmas Eve, I guarantee you we're still going to do that. We're still going to invite people to follow Christ because, because that's our mission. So people ask me, Spencer, how are we doing? Well, everything's different. And what does the future look like? Well, I don't know exactly, but I, I have two core convictions that have come up as I think about what our future looks like as a church. And one, I realize that everything is going to look different. Things are going to be different. Our church is going to look different. And the challenge of that right now is I don't even know what that looks like. I don't even know what some of the things in the long term, how they're going to look different. Nobody knows that sort of thing. But we do know that things are going to look different, that Schweitzer will never be the church that we were, that we're going to live into this new season of our church, and we've we got to let go of what was if we're going to live into what, what, what is. So that's one of the things I know is that there's a new season coming. And the second thing I know is as we move into this new season, we're going to be laser-focused on our mission, our mission of going and making disciples, baptizing and and teaching, evangelism and discipleship. That's what we're going to be focused on. You see, as we've gone through this series, we've spent eight weeks thinking about ways that Jesus is greater. And today, as we close the series, I want to offer you one more way to think about how Jesus is greater than absolutely everything and anything. And here's another way, is that he has invited you and he has included you in the body of Christ. And that together, we are God's design for how he's seeking to reach the world. That, that you have a role in this, that I have a role in this, and that together we become the body of Christ, that we can do this work together. 
And so today, as we um, are in worship, as we think about how we are a church together, we're going to celebrate a meal that celebrates this exact truth. We're going to celebrate the meal that Jesus gave to his disciples as he took bread and wine and he celebrated the, the church that comes together as, as his body. And so today, as we come before this meal, maybe you have supplies at your house you want to you have ready for this. We're going to take bread and we remember that on the night that Jesus spent with his disciples, the last night he spent with his disciples, he broke the bread. And as he broke the bread, he gave it to his disciples and he said to them to eat this, all of them, that this represented his body, which was broken for them, all of them together. This is what he had done for them. In the same way, as the, cup, as the supper went on, he took the cup of wine, he gave thanks the, for the cup of wine and, and he gave to his disciples a drink and he said that this cup of wine represented his blood that was gonna be shed for everyone. And then he called this cup, he said it's, it's a new covenant, it's a promise the promise of the forgiveness of sins, that through the body of Jesus, we together, we are made whole, we are forgiven, and we are given new life. This is what we celebrate. This is why it's God's design that the local church is his design to reach the world because he has given us this mission together. So before we take this meal, let's, let's pray over this and let's celebrate how he has given us this work that we do together. And so, Father, today, I give you thanks for your goodness to us. I give you thanks that you are faithful in all circumstances, at all times in our lives. I give you thanks that you have given us one another. And so today, as we take bread and we drink wine, we celebrate and we remember this promise you've given us of, of each other. And we're bound together in you because you sacrificed yourself for us, for all of us, so that all of us can be invited and included in this body of Christ that you have made called the church. And so today, would you pour out your Holy Spirit on all of us, wherever we're gathered, as we celebrate this meal? Would you pour out your Holy Spirit on the bread and on the wine as we share in this meal together to celebrate your goodness, your joy, your love that you've shared with us? In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray together. Amen. And so friends, today I'd invite you, if you have bread with you, to take the bread, to eat of the bread, and to remember that Christ has died for you and take the cup and to drink and to remember the blood of Christ has been shed for you. This is the new covenant that we have that he's given himself for us, that together we are the body of Christ. We are his design to reach the world.
Friends, it's been so good to share together in worship today. And I want to say thank you to those who made this happen for, for leadership of Jim and uh, Stephanie and Sheila. I want to say thank you to, to KJ and Mary for leading the music, for Greg and Sarah for, for sharing their story with us. There are so many people who every single week come together to make these services happen. And so thank you for those who are both on camera and those who are behind the scenes as well, because this is a real team effort um, as we go through this, because we're a church. We do this all together as the body of Christ. Um, together. So I want to encourage you to share this service with friends or family to, to get the word out about what God is doing at Schweitzer and the good news hope that we have. And then next Sunday, we're going to start this new series, Seek First. You're going to want to invite folks to come along with you. It's going to be a great series as we think through our priorities and what is it that we're chasing in life, what has first place. I can't wait to share that with you starting next Sunday. Have a great week. God bless you.